My deep appreciation of theater history was instilled in me by Tom Empey, a college mentor to me and hundreds of others. While teaching Greek theater terms, he would grab the fabric of his slacks and say, You see these pants? Euripides, Eumenides making light of content that could be considered rather dry and stuffy while still maintaining respect for the art, which is what I want to do with this podcast. For each episode, I invite a guest from the many paths my theater career has taken me down. I give my guests no idea what we'll be talking about, but they know we're going to find an outrageous story about theater history and perhaps get a better understanding about why we're still doing it after all these years. So welcome to Euripides Humanities, and I am your host, Aaron Odom. Friends and listeners, this is Aaron Odom from Trident Theater in Sheridan, Wyoming, bringing you another episode of Euripides, Eumenides, a theater history podcast. Hey, gang, I'm keeping my promise, my faithful listeners. You are about to hear the second half of The Marriage of Monroe and Miller, a truly harrowing story indeed. And if you haven't already listened to part one, which is episode 50... I would highly suggest you go back and listen to that. Or maybe you're like one of those choose-your-own-adventure listeners and you'll go back and fill in the pieces later. But here's the highlights of episode 50 so you can get ready for this one. It's 1955 and Marilyn Monroe has just started divorce proceedings from baseball legend and unfortunate door smasher Joe DiMaggio. She's moved to New York to reinvent herself and is soon pursued by longtime friend and celebrated playwright Arthur Miller. Despite initial misgivings, they have decided to just simply overlook those misgivings and move forward. And that is exactly where we left off last time. So, without further ado, here's the rest of the story of the marriage of Monroe and Miller. While on the set for Bus Stop, Marilyn's use of the method had her delving so deeply into emotional distress that she often, by the end of the day, was completely spent or demanded that scenes would get more and more takes until she was certain that she got the moment right. Oh, no, 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 Mm -hmm. no, darling. Add to that that Marilyn had always had nerves going into scenes due to her nearly crippling sense of insecurity and self-consciousness. You know I mean? I heard that. Like I heard, I heard Bill Hader, one of my favorite performers of the modern day has like this crippling anxiety before he goes out and does anything. And then once he, you know, smells the dust and sees the lights, he's fine. But Mm -hmm. the moment before he's like puking his guts out and going, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. But he goes out and does it. Marilyn did this way worse. So I guess to put it lightly, just getting to a scene took a lot of effort. Yeah. The filming of bus stop was long. We'll say, but yeah. Paid off in dividends as the edited project showed everyone, including her castmates who were daily frustrated with her antics, showed them all 
just how talented of an actor Marilyn Monroe could be. Wow. Because, you know, that's the thing about film. You can take it so many times and you can take cherry pick the best stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then you put it all together and it seems like, holy shit, they did this amazing thing. Yeah. When the film was released in August 1956, director Joshua Logan praised Marilyn's acting talent, comparing her comedic chops to those of Charlie Chaplin. Oh, my God. And her dramatic abilities to the sadness of any of Chaplin's heroines. No. No, I'm sorry. No, no. I don't know. I, 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 maybe, maybe in moments. Yeah, it, it's tomato, tomato. It, it, it's apples, oranges. It's yes, it's acting, but they're two different whole whole eras of different types of acting. Yes, but yes. as far okay, as the comedian. Yeah, but as far as the comedian and and Chaplin, no, 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 no. No, she did not hold that candle. No, I will no, give no, him no. that. I will give him that. She was funny Charlie. in what she did. Yep. Yes. She was funny in what she did. And I, God, if nobody's seen Some Like It Hot, we're going to be talking about it later. The musical totally. is on Broadway right now, and I love what they've done to adapt it. It's oh, so cool. Oh, interesting. Playbill did okay. a really neat article on how they adapted it. So if anybody wants to go out and see that. Anyway. So, hey, let's put just a little bit more of perspective of history going on here. At this time, there was this little thing called the Red Scare going on. Yep. And the House Un-American Activities Commission had its eye on the world of entertainment. To be fair, throughout the prior few decades, particularly the interwar period, there had been quite a few plays and movies with very liberal and socialist themes I mean, just take anything out of the library of Clifford Odets, and you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when Russia became the enemy to the U.S. post-World War II, just about everything was under scrutiny. Arthur Miller was called to testify in front of the committee on June 21st, 1956, as it was suggested that he had connections to socialist or communist organizations. And here's a quote. Miller claimed that the day before the hearings, Representative Francis E. Walter of Pennsylvania let it be known to Miller's lawyer that if Miller would permit him to take a photograph with Marilyn Monroe, he would call off the hearing. <gasps> Miller said he refused. What? Oh, see? Dude. <laughs> there ain't no difference between politics and entertainment. There it is. Uh-huh. Right uh-huh. Ain't no difference. And and then we're going to get into the JFK years, and that's a whole nother ball of wax. I don't cover that really here in this story, but holy shit. Um, yeah. So anyway, the hearing went forward, and unlike his good friend, Elia Kazan, who offered up full lists of his friends to the committee by name. Wow. Wow. Miller refused to name any names, even though he had truthfully testified that he had attended socialist writers meetings in the 1940s. You know what? Good for fucking him. Still, fuck you for hitting your wife, but good for him. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> After the hearing, when Miller was asked what he would be doing for the rest of the year, he responded that he would be marrying Marilyn Monroe. I hope he asked her before he said this. Marilyn had no idea that he planned to say that. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. The press oh. immediately started networking and news got to Maryland first by way of the press. Oh. 
asking her about it before anything could be printed or before Miller could tell her himself. Shocked at first, but then delighted, she stood behind Miller. Wow. And soon after, Miller called her from Washington, told her what happened, and she responded that the press told her first. So filming was done on bus stop by this point, and she was back in New York. The pair planned to make the official announcement outside of Miller's home in Roxbury, Connecticut on June 22nd, 1956, the day after he appeared in front of Congress. The day after. (laughs) That must have been a week, man. Oh, check this shit out. Oh, God. Not even done. Uh Uh-oh. Miller and Monroe drove from New York to Roxbury with the press in a stream of cars following closely behind them, and they were driving fast. One car carrying journalists Mara Sherbatov and Paul Slade lost control directly behind Miller's vehicle. The car slammed directly into a tree. While Slade received serious injuries but lived, it was Sherbatov who smacked her face on the inside of the windshield, effectively breaking the windshield and her face, and a lot of other life-threatening injuries. Miller saw the wreck in his rearview mirror and quickly flipped the car around to go attend to the wreck. Soon after, Miller and Monroe were helping the injured pair out of the car, which was horrifying for Marilyn Monroe to see these bloody people who just wanted to get a scoop about her. Wow. Miller drove to his home, which is only about 15 miles away, in order to call an ambulance. The response was that the time would be somewhere between the next two hours to get any kind of help, just simply based on how rural the location was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miller replied that Marilyn Monroe was just in a car accident and was bleeding on the side of the road. An ambulance arrived some 30 minutes later. Oh, fucking yes, of course. (laughs) Wow. But Mara Sherbatov succumbed to her wounds and died in a New York hospital about three hours later. And if you watch any of the coverage or you see any of the pictures from that day, Marilyn is just as beautiful as ever. She's got herself cleaned up by the time that they had the press conference in front of his house. Yeah. But there was something of a pall over her face as she had literally just watched somebody almost die and then died. Shock. She was in shock. All over her. Yeah. Yeah. And that all kind of played into the whole obsession she had with death and her demise. I mean, there's so many times in the story, Christina, I had to take them out. But she talked to, like, close friends, like, what if I just kill myself? Oh. Oh. Wouldn't it be just easier if I just slept forever? No. And she's like, no, I, I got a thing. You know, oh. Wow. On the same day... As the press conference, Miller and Monroe were married in the Westchester County Courthouse in White Plains, New York, in a ceremony that lasted about four minutes. <sighs> How you doing? I'm exhausted. And <laughs> ow, that just makes my heart hurt. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's just one headline after another. Mm-hmm. No rest. No, no, no. On July 1st. So they got married, what, June 22nd, uh, officially. You know, they went to the courthouse, uh-huh. had the judge go, okay, you're married. Yeah. On July 1st, the couple had a formal Jewish ceremony for close friends and family because Miller was Jewish. Mm-hmm. By this time, 
Marilyn had formally converted to Judaism out of respect for her husband. And she actually took the conversion quite seriously, like for months leading up to it, met with the family's rabbi, learned, you know, the specific duties of a wife in the home, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, she was into it. She was into it. Cool. Oh, and at that ceremony, she was given away by Lee Strasberg. Oh, oh, that's not tasty at all. That leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Gross. I mean, I guess it's good she's not marrying him. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Marilyn almost backed out of the wedding just before the ceremony, but that said, no, I better go through with it. After all, all the guests are already here. Oh, that poor little girl. Uh huh. A poor mm-hmm. little girl. I mean, that's all that is right there. I just, I like, there are so many times when I say that, and then I also go, hey, maybe you don't have to be the biggest thing in the world. Maybe yeah. you don't have to. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. The, uh, we're going to do some more name dropping here. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, whoo. I think we're, we're nearing the end, but the end is so juicy. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. Later that summer, 1956, the Millers took up a short residence in London while Marilyn shot The Prince and the Showgirl. Do you know this movie? No. Oh, you're going to love this. I don't know that I've ever heard about it. Okay, here we go. So their time in London, this would be a time to test the new marriage and Marilyn's ability to be both an actor and primary producer on a project. This was to be the first picture fully under the Marilyn Monroe Productions banner. I had no idea. Wow. To play opposite her, she was able to cast legendary actor Laurence Olivier. What? And the story gave both actors plenty of opportunity to show the breadth of their individual acting abilities. Wow. Wow. That's an interesting combination. It's Olivia and Marilyn. Wow. (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, what is that? Like Ian McKellen and Lindsay Lohan? Yes. Yes. I mean, wow. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. This would. Also be a time for Miller to see if the rumors about Marilyn on set were true, as he'd not really been with her for the entirety of a filming project. Throughout Bus Stop, he would be her constant confidant when she would have her breakdowns, but the communications had largely been over the phone or through letters. And boy, did she give him a lot to chew on with this production. Sure, she did have an incredible amount on her mind with literally everything resting on her shoulders, but as we've seen before... Whenever she was under pressure, it would only allow her to spiral more and more out of control. So, to help herself sleep at night, she would take vast amounts of barbiturates procured by her business partner, Milton Green, who was also doing a significant number of pills. And she would slurp them all down with a healthy amount of alcohol. That hurts me. It didn't always work. And would often leave her incredibly hungover in the morning, to which she responded by taking uppers. So, you can just imagine how much this would do to a filming schedule. Oh my god. Our producer and lead actress is still in her trailer. Everybody take ten. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Untenable. She was often at odds with her costumer, 
because her weight kept fluctuating during filming. The alcohol that she would enjoy drinking so much was champagne. Yeah. Which, you drink a lot of it. Yeah. You're going to gain some weight. One day, her bust would be a size 36, and then the next a size 40. They couldn't keep up with her. Wow. And as usual, she would be incredibly demanding during filming, offing at subliminal odds with Laurence Olivier, who, by the way, often got pretty jealous of her during this filming because when they'd go back and watch the dailies, she would actually be doing a lot better than him. Wow. Wow. Interesting. That must have been an interesting set. <laughs> he was absolutely disgusted that this flighty bimbo was upstaging him. So tensions grew there, oh, too. Poor guy. I know. Poor baby. Miller, in the meantime, was gobsmacked. <laughs> He'd known that Marilyn was somewhat troublesome and had some troublesome behaviors on set, but never this bad. He was embarrassed beyond belief. But out of some misplaced professionalism, didn't want to showcase it in front of her peers. Mm -hmm. Basically, he was a playwright on the downhill slide of his career, but of course he didn't really know that. What he did know was that he was married to the most famous woman in the world, and she was pretty much their income. Uh, that's rough to acknowledge. Uh-huh, yeah. So instead of public embarrassment, he took to writing in his journal leaving all his vitriol towards his wife in ink and paper. Ugh. And quite cleverly, one night in their rented mansion, he left his journal open <gasps> right next to her script she was studying. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not entirely known what was said, but when Marilyn found out just how much she disgusted her husband, well, that may have been the beginning of the end for Marilyn. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's hardcore. They had been married, like, a couple months. Yeah. She's like, why do I try? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Miller also began to plant seeds of doubt in Marilyn in her longstanding business relationship with Milton Green, stating that Green had just been skimming off the top of the profits and had been doing so for years, which probably was kind of true with a lot of people, but actually not with Milton Green. Huh. Marilyn, unfortunately, started to believe it. Probably because she didn't want to disappoint her husband. I wonder where she's going to get her pills, though. Wasn't that her, her supplier? Oh, come on. She's Marilyn Monroe. She can get anybody. To yeah, that's know. true. That's true. Yeah, what am I thinking? Filming of The Prince and the Showgirl concluded on November 16th, 1956, and the Millers went home to America to see what they could save of their marriage. Uh, oh. <laughs> How you doing, Christine? I'm, this is... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted, and I... Although, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's semi-relatable. Uh -huh. I didn't, I didn't realize the, first of all, the New York and LA thing, like I said, and then exactly how Arthur Miller got into her life. I knew he was, he was yep. where he was in her life, but wow. Yeah. It could have been when they returned home that Arthur Miller had the following exchange with the press. I don't know exactly when this quote was taken yeah. from, but I think it was around this time. Marilyn will only make one film in every 18 months or so, which will take her about eight weeks each. The press responds, and the other 18 months? Miller responds, she will be my wife. Turns out that's a full-time job. Wow. Wow. <laughs> 
I mean, there's a part of that where I go, it sounds like he's taking one for the team to help get his wife out of a really bad pattern of behavior. But there's also the words he's using where it sounds like she is now mine and you people don't get hurt. Yeah, you know what? It's probably both. Well, it's probably a little both, Finn. I mean. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know how to feel yeah, about it. Yeah, it's, it, it's a little greebly. It's greebly and comfortable than greebly. I don't know. I know. I know. You're like, both. I, I guess let's see what okay. happens. So upon returning home, Marilyn did what she could to be the responsible wife to her yeah. husband. The pair had several properties in New York and Connecticut that they rotated around between and each one having its own different purposes. But no matter where they were, Marilyn managed to decorate every place herself, tried to make her husband breakfast before he got up every morning, and managed to set up a den or studio in each property where her husband could write. Marilyn actually found a talent and a, a huge enjoyment in gardening. Cool. Wow. So going from the most famous one in the world to like, I wonder how my tomatoes are going to turn. Yeah, out yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. I'm glad she had that. Mm -hmm. They often visited his family and she did her best to be a valuable in-law and stepmother to Miller's two children. I mean, she. there were some great stories of like, she she threw a birthday party for her stepson yeah. and like had the best shit. Like the kid was like, I've never really had a birthday party before. And so she's like, oh, well, hell, we're going to do, we're gonna do yeah. this up and just gave him the best birthday party ever. And Arthur Miller's dad was a laborer all his life. And in his older age, he started to have trouble with his feet. And Marilyn loved attending to him and like getting a stool for him every time that she'd come over just so she could prop his feet up yeah. and maybe give him a little foot rub, but just some valuable time and joking and laughing yeah. and everything. On the other hand, there was one time, I think he was a tailor at one point and she pointed out a suit she was wearing. She's like, what do you think of the cut? And he's like, looks great. And she's like, what do you think of this? And like grabs his hand and runs it along her side and her thigh, which everybody's like, that could be kind of sexual because of who you are. But at the same time, she was also like, I'm trying to respect his interests and engage him in conversation that might be interesting to him. It, yeah. It, it, it didn't know. I don't know. Didn't know how to read social cues. What, what do you think that was? I, I think there's a lot more of that. I need to be accepted by a daddy. Yeah. 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 In that moment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, 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 I think there was nothing more. Like she was not looking for any kind of sexual recompense no. there. It was emotional yeah. recompense. It was, what do you think of me? And I am trying to engage you in what you're passionate about. Yeah. 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 But the family's still like, what? Yeah, the it, looks, it looks weird. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. In 1957, she made no movies. Huh. Not one. After. Years of maybe at least two a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden, 100%, like Miller said, she's only going to make one every 18 months or so. Huh. No movies, 1957. Sometime in there, Milton Green got tired of all the accusations of financial foul play, and he left Marilyn Monroe Productions. He was replaced by three members of Arthur Miller's inner circle. 
who were uh one of them i think was his brother another one was an old friend from way back Uh, yeah okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) marilyn monroe productions never again was the primary producer on another film in may 1957 miller had to return to dc as his appearance before the house on american activities committee evolved into a trial (gasps) Miller was found guilty on two counts of contempt of Congress for refusing to name any communists. He immediately launched an appeal as the judge withheld sentencing. Marilyn stood by Miller in all press coverage, confidently claiming that the appeal would overturn the conviction, and it was eventually overturned, but possibly due to Marilyn Monroe stating her thoughts to the press. Yeah. It'd be nice if everybody had a Marilyn Monroe speaking for them, but I don't know, you know. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, she's America's sweetheart and favorite slut at the same time. And here she is being a dutiful housewife and and people are still scared of this stuff. And they don't know whether or not Arthur Miller's a bad guy, but she came out and said, no, he's a good man. And I think it's going to be overturned. And I think public opinion just turned in his favor. She landed credence. In June 1957, the Millers discovered they were pregnant. Marilyn was overjoyed as she had long wanted a child of her own. But in August of that year, Miller rushed outside when he heard his wife crying in agony from the garden. She was rushed to the hospital where it was discovered that the pregnancy was ectopic. And had to be terminated in order to save Marilyn's life. That's so hard. After the procedure, Marilyn was in the hospital for several days battling recovery and depression. The depression bled over to Arthur Miller. When their friend Sam Shaw, the photographer, came to see them in the hospital, Marilyn begged Shaw to take Miller outside to get some fresh air. On their stroll, uh, Shaw suggested to Miller that in order to get them out of this funk, Miller and Monroe should work together on another project. Miller could write it, and Monroe would star in it. And this is how we got the pretty forgettable film, The Misfits, uh, in which Monroe starred opposite an aging Clark Gable. Clark Gable, yep. But before we can get into that, there are just a few highlights that I need to cover that also affected their marriage. Oh, boy. I mean, this is going to play like a highlights reel because there's so much that happened in the last couple years of Marilyn's life that you're like, holy shit. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Marilyn did Some Like It Hot, in which the American Film Institute lists as the funniest film of all time, and I agree. Wow. Despite Marilyn worsening her behavior... Weight fluctuations and self-consciousness, fallouts with her co-stars, including Tony Curtis, who at one point compared kissing Marilyn to kissing Hitler. He said that. Wow. Mm -hmm. She found out she was pregnant again during filming and had several episodes of nearly killing herself with drugs. Once filming wrapped on Some Like It Hot, Marilyn had another miscarriage. Oh, that makes me sad. I know. I'm just like, oh god. Be real sad. Uh, could could some could something great happen yeah, to her, yeah. please? So she could just go. Some this life is worth living, and I don't need to destroy myself. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Uh, Marilyn missed out on nabbing the lead role in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Wow. 
He hated that she felt Miller was obsessed in getting the Misfits made so he could have success in Hollywood, which he probably was doing, using his wife to build his own career. Of course. And she took the lead role in Let's Make Love, in which she had a very public and passionate affair with her co-star, French actor Yves Montand, who both Miller and Monroe handpicked to star opposite her. Wow. Miller was fully aware of this affair. And it's often argued that he allowed it to continue so they could divorce once the misfits could be finished. Interesting. Wow. I mean, God damn it. why? Yeah. Is why, 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 why did these things have to be so violent like yeah. that? Why, why can't they just go, you know, this isn't working out. Yeah. <laughs> no. And it seemed, and it seemed more, I don't know if it was just, Male female interaction and just the the role women played at that time, but it did it does feel like things that happened to her were just they just were violent and random and shit. Yeah, and how she reacted to them though was even worse. Oh God, yeah, of course. That's why fueled by all that insecurity. Oh my God, as far as filming for the Misfits is concerned. Mm-hmm. If any of the prior onset behaviors have surprised you, multiply them all by 1,000 for the misfits. Production began as soon as Let's Make Love wrapped. Two filming projects back-to-back for a woman that couldn't come down at all. Marilyn was emotionally destroyed after the failed affair with Yves Montand and was absolutely dependent on pills. Tallied up... She had at least two suicide attempts on pills during production. Entire days of production and filming were lost in the hot Reno sun, 120 degrees most days during the summer. They were lost because she could not be bothered to show up for filming. She would start fights on set with people and would often fight with her soon-to-be ex-husband privately in their motel rooms. (laughs) However, when she was clear enough to work, she gave some of the best acting of her career, despite the terrible script written by Miller. Yeah, that's true. It is a terrible script. I mean, it's like so talky. And she was like, I can't find like, here's this serious method actor going. I cannot find the truth in this scene with what you have written. Yeah. You have over exploited the words here. And they fought so much on, on the script. And he was just appalled that he's like, you actor think, you know, better than Arthur Miller. I want a Pulitzer, you know? Uh-huh. Wow. Oh, near end of filming. She was, basically taken to rehab for a week and weaned off narcotics just enough to get the production completed. Wow. Just enough. Just enough. And once filming was completed, Marilyn and Miller flew back to New York separately to prepare for their divorce. Once wrapping production, John Houston said, I'll be surprised if that girl lives another year. (gasps) Wow. The Millers announced their divorce on November 11th, 1960. And the divorce was finalized on January 20th, 1961. Marilyn is said to have chosen this date, hoping that John Kennedy's inauguration would be a more important headline that day. <laughs> it's such a small world. And this is crazy how this is infusing through all, all of right? history. That's the only time I mentioned Kennedy in this thing. Because I wanted this all to be about the marriage of Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller. Good for you. That's yeah. wow. Okay. 
Okay. Marilyn Monroe died in her Los Angeles home on August 5th, 1962. Most agree that she died of a drug overdose. Miller did not attend her funeral. When asked why not, he responded, she won't be there. Oh, what an ass. Oh, oh, oh. In 1964, Arthur Miller released a new play, After the Fall, which he denied had anything to do with his failed marriage to the film star, even though the character of Maggie speaks like her, looks like her, and basically has a lot of the same life circumstances as her. Miller has often been criticized for trying to capitalize on the fame of his dead ex-wife. He actually claimed to be hurt as to how the public could see his play that way. And here's a quote I found from a close friend of Miller's third wife. There is no better key to Arthur's personality than his refusal to acknowledge that people who knew after the fall and who loved Marilyn would be offended. Like all of us, he had powerful powers of denial. Wow. Arthur Miller never reached another high point in his career, although he kept writing until his death on February 10th, 2005. Wow. And that's the story of Miller and Monroe. That's crazy. I didn't know half of those twists and turns. Oh, I mean, this is one of those ones like I usually try to find something that we can laugh at and 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 enjoy. But this one is just it's shock and awe. Yeah, it just keeps hitting you. Well, that was what her life her life so much was that, you know, and she was just mm-hmm. she was a pawn that was used by a system that had been created that just ate its people, you know, just yeah. ate them up. Yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, there had like I, I, I can't put myself in her shoes. I don't know what it's like to be that famous, no. that quickly, no. and to and to have the appearance that she did that was recognizable to everyone. Yeah, there's one thing I I read that uh, in her time in New York, she had gotten very good at disguises. Yes, so she could actually get out and do things without being completely mobbed. And she gets in a cab one night. And the cab driver drops her off. He's like, you know what? You're even prettier than Marilyn Monroe because you don't even got to wear that makeup. <laughs> totally didn't realize. <laughs> totally didn't realize. Wow. <laughs> Good for her. But I mean, there is a point where you realize your peak, maybe. Or you go, I've done it. Yeah. I'm Marilyn Monroe. I don't have to worry about becoming Marilyn Monroe anymore. I am there. I don't think her insecurities ever took that much of a backseat to be able to do that. Yeah. I think even when she was Marilyn Monroe, she was she was everybody, she was a mirror of every single person around her and she was lost. She was lost. Yeah. And and that's why she had to medicate because all she could do is just keep being the mirror that everybody wanted her to be to show themselves to themselves. Yeah. And I mean, th- what what I thought was so nice were there were some like little moments of happiness, you know? I mean, yeah, I, I'm glad. I simultaneously cr- cringe and praise Arthur Miller saying, now she's only going to do a movie every 18 months and she's going to be my yeah, wife now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it obviously still wasn't enough. And I still, like, through it all, I just have to question Miller's motives through all of it. I know. It's it's iffy. It feels iffy. Mm -hmm. They married when he was 40 and she was 30. 
That's significant. I mean, even in that, yeah, there's this huge difference. They're both adults. They've both been in the world. They've had their, but there is just levels of experience that uh, that extra decade will give you. It's true. The difference between 30 and 40 is so much different than the the difference between 40 to 50 in my my experience. Oh, God. Well. Wow, dude. At least we still have some like it hot. Yes. That. (laughs) That is a delightful movie. In fact, I haven't watched that in a long time. I need to watch that again. Yeah. And Seven Year Itch. Yes. Oh, my God. If 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 anybody hasn't seen Seven Year Itch, those two movies, in my opinion, are what I would like to. You know, there's. OK, I'm going to say it this way. There are some people out there who are like, OK, there are movies that are have. There, there's franchise movie franchises that have several chapters to them. Like you can take the Rocky movies uh-huh. and you're like, fuck, we don't need all of those. Right. <laughs> Um, there, there are people who suggest that a good Rocky trilogy, a good Rocky trilogy is the original Rocky uh-huh. one, one best picture, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Then you go like five chapters later to Rocky Balboa, which is in effect Rocky six. Wow. When he's kind of had his career, you skip the rest of those. You don't even see the rest of those because most of them are trash. I mean, Rocky Four is one of the most jingoistic pieces of garbage I've ever seen, but what a rockin' soundtrack. And then, after that, you go to Creed. Oh, I love Creed. I love Michael. Right? Oh, I love him so much. Oh, God, he's so he's so good. He's so good. And he's directing the third one. <gasps> and I'm so excited about that. See, no, yeah. I just saw... So, dude, I just came... I saw a movie tonight, and I didn't see the... I didn't see the preview for that, but Here's the thing. I liked Rocky too, and I'm sorry. I had the eye of the tiger. Okay. I was. Oh shit! That's right. You you do that. You skip eye of the tiger. <laughs> that was the oh. eye of the tiger, and even even Rocky three with fucking Drago. What's his nut? Oh wait, no, no, that was <laughs> oh, Mr. That was T. Four. That was four. Yes. No. Yeah, Mr. T was three. Mr. T was such a thing when he it, he was new on the scene. So that's mm-hmm. why I did Rocky three. I started to get bored at four. Like I, I really didn't care about yeah. Dago and and everything past that. But I yeah. did like Rocky. You're right. I liked Rocky Balboa. And then the next thing that made me mm-hmm. really excited was Creed. So that's fascinating. Yeah, I agree. So if you, if you do it in that suggested trilogy, you have the up and comer, like dark horse, yeah. winning yeah. it all. You have the guy who has had a career at the end of his career, seeing if he can do it one more yeah. time, and he does, and then passing that on to somebody who's exactly in his shoes. Yeah. And what a great yeah. thing. So for my money, and everybody can fight me on this if they want to, you want you want Marilyn Monroe, we get three movies. Some Like It Hot, Seven Year Itch, and Bus Stop. I have to watch Bus Stop. That's homework. Yeah. And I got to watch it. Because she's both charming and funny but also like giving some of the best like romantic dramatic performance of her career. Cool. All right. It's really, really something. Well, there we go there. Okay. I tried to end it on a good note after all of that trauma. Um, All I'll say kids is uh, if you want a daddy figure, don't marry him. (laughs) You are hilarious. You're hilarious. <laughs> that makes me just saying. Just saying. I'm no psychologist, but I I think it's a bad idea. 
I think it's a bad idea. Okay. Well, Christine, thanks for being on this one with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. For my listeners, this is Aaron Odom signing off from Trident Theater in Sheridan, Wyoming for with another episode of Euripides, Humanities, a theater history podcast. We'll get another one out to you in another couple of weeks, and I will see you at intermission.